This morning, uh, I'm excited to uh, start a new series called First. What you put first, what you do first, impacts the rest. I don't know about you, but I like being first. Over uh, this break, I had an opportunity to hang out with my family, and when the Wise Heart Clan gets together, I think I've told some of you before, we have what's called a holiday classic. It is a gathering of games where we determine who is the winner. And uh, if I ever have an opportunity to play games with you, I want you to know that I love you. I'll be your pastor. Uh, I'll pray for you. But when we are playing a game, you're going down. I want to play to win. And, and I love to compete. I love to win. I love it when I'm first. And, and when we play Rummy Cube at, at our house with the tiles and the colors and the numbers, and it's a glorious thing when I win and I'm first. I don't know about you, whether you're competitive in nature or not, but, but most of us, if we're honest, there's this desire inside of us that we like it when we're first. Whether it's when we're first in line, or when we are first to receive a compliment, or when we have gotten an award first, or we've achieved something that we have hoped to achieve first, we, we enjoy being first. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at this thought of first. What you do first impacts the rest. This morning, I want you to take your Bible and turn with me to Exodus chapter 13. And I want to share a message entitled, Who is Number One? On this snowy, cold Sunday morning, I want you to know that there is steak prepared in the Word of God today. If you are hoping to get a, a latte and some cereal and that kind of stuff, you're going to be disappointed. This is some good meat. These are some things, these are some principles that we're going to look at today that you can chew on. And so I want you to, to get ready. I want you to get your mind ready, not to be entertained because you're not going to be entertained much. I, I want you to be ready to dive into God's Word. Amen? Amen? All right, take your Bible. Look with me at Exodus chapter 13, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. Aren't you blessed by that verse? Doesn't that just inspire your soul? Well, let's keep reading on. Look at verse 12 and 13 of Exodus chapter 13. Then you shall set apart to the Lord all that opened the womb. That is, every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the male shall be the Lord's. Notice it says, shall be or belongs to the Lord. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. Anybody blessed yet? Anybody feel like this is just the verse that you've been waiting for? I want us to, to, to chew on this for a little bit because there is nutrients for our soul in these passages. There's some things that God is longing to get across to us today. I'm convinced that if we can see the principles that are at play in this passage, it will impact the rest of our life. In other words, this verse says, every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. If you do not redeem it, you shall break its neck. In essence, it's saying, if you don't give the first, you're going to lose it anyway. Now notice there's a principle here. If you will not give to the Lord first, you're going to lose what you think you had. 
Exodus 13, 12 and 13, And all the firstborn of man among your sons shall be redeemed. So here's the first point. If you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down. If you're not taking notes, jot it down anyway. Just, just do it. I want you to look at this thought. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Now, let's talk about the difference here between these two for a moment. I realize there's a lot of Old Testament law that we're looking at, and it may seem kind of thick, but remember, 1 Corinthians 10 tells us that everything in the Old Testament is an example to us. It's written to instruct us. So what is the instruction or the example that we are to get from this passage? If you had an animal that was considered a clean animal, then you sacrificed the firstborn. If your animal was considered unclean, then you had to sacrifice a clean animal to redeem that unclean animal. Now hang with me. Is this just a picture of a God who has a dark side that likes killing animals that we don't like to talk about very much? No. There is a principle of first that is taking place. And everything points to Jesus. It's all an example for us. I want to relate this to Jesus for us. So if, if it's unclean, it has to be redeemed with the sacrifice of the clean. Let me say that again. If it's unclean, it has to be redeemed with the sacrifice of the clean. The clean has to be sacrificed. So, so let me just ask you this question. Think about this. When you were born, were you clean or unclean? I don't mean, did you have a shower? Were you smelly? Were you had goo all over you? That's not what I'm talking about. Was your soul, was your spirit, was it clean or unclean? Unclean. The scripture tells us that we are all born in sin. Let me prove it to you. Those of you who have children or your children may be grown and gone, when you had children, did you have to teach them to be bad? Or did they just come out knowing how to do that? We have to teach them to do right. We have to teach them to do good. But we're all born with a bent towards evil, a bent towards sin, a sinful nature. We are unclean. We are born as sinners. Now, was Jesus born clean or unclean? He was born clean. Now, remember this principle. The clean had to be sacrificed so the unclean could be redeemed. Now it's going to start to make a little bit sense for us. That's what we just read in Exodus 13. That's what it's all about. The heart of what I want to share this morning is about giving the first to God. Now think about this. Jesus was sacrificed so we could be redeemed. The clean was sacrificed so the unclean could be redeemed. Let me say it another way. Jesus was God's top, his best, his one and only son, And jot this down. God gave Jesus in faith that we would give our lives to him. God didn't wait to see if we would straighten up before he'd give Jesus. He first gave Jesus that we may have an opportunity to trust him. God demonstrated to us what it means to give first, to put the best first. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God gave Jesus Before anybody believed in Jesus. He gave Jesus the sacrifice first. So the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Now think about this. If you have a sheep and your sheep uh, has a lamb, you have to give that first 
lamb to God. That's the way to be redeemed. This is the principle we see all throughout Scripture. It's tied to why we even worship on today. We not only worship on Sunday because Jesus rose from the grave on Sunday, but it's the first of the week. And, and we know that the Sabbath originally was on Saturday, but as we see for us in our society, Sunday being the first of the week, when we give God the first, the rest is blessed. When I give God the, the first of my day, the rest of my day is blessed. When I give God the, the first of my talents, the rest of my talents is blessed. When I give God the first of my time, the rest of my time is blessed. When I give God the first of my money, the rest of my money is blessed. Over the next number of weeks, we're going to be looking at what it means to to put the first things first, to allow God to be first. Who is number one in your life? And here's the second thing I want us to catch. First fruits must be offered. The first fruits must be. Notice I'm saying must because it's important for us to understand that we need the blessing of God. Exodus 13 is where we've been. I want you to just keep your finger there. We may come back to that in a second. But let me read to you Exodus 23, verse 19. The first of the fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. The first, now notice this, the first of your fruits shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Proverbs 3, sorry, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions. And with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats overflow with new wine. And let's look back at the firstborn for just a minute. And we can relate this to first fruits. God said that when you have an animal and your animal has a baby, you are to give that firstborn as a sacrifice to him. Now he doesn't say if your lamb has ten or if your sheep has ten lambs, then you give the tenth one to him. He says, give the first. Now that takes faith. Well, what if your lamb's not going to have ten? And he says, give the first to me. The first belongs to me. First fruits, firstborn. There's something about this and the aspect of tithing that I think many people don't understand. Yes, tithing is ten percent, and God put forth a ten the reason he's put a percentage, I believe, is it's not just an amount. So no matter what you make, no matter who you are, no matter what place you find yourself, you can be a part of, of giving to the Lord and giving first. But it's not just 10% that he's talking about. It's an order. It's a priority. It takes faith to give 10% before I pay bills. It takes faith to give 10% before I give to something else. God says, who is first? We need to understand something about God, I think, for this to really sink in. God will always be first. I'll jot this down. God is first whether you put him first or not. Now, I need to pause. I, I, I gave you a warning. It's steak. So if you're trying to, like, just suck on the steak, I, it's going to choke you, okay? So we need to chew a little bit here. Help me here. Just think about this. God is first whether you put him first or not. He may not be first in your life. You may not be recognizing him as first. But you and I don't have the power to bring God down two or three pegs in, in, in reality. God is first whether we put him first or not. When we think about the attributes of God, God 
is above everything else. This is the preeminence of God. He's, he's above everything. He is higher than everything. He is first of all. God is always first, and the principle is all throughout Scripture. But why did God accept Abel's offering in Genesis and not Cain's offering? You can't understand why God accepted Abel's and not Cain's until you understand the principle of firstborn and first fruits. That's why we need to look at this a little bit deeper. Listen to Genesis 4, verse 3. Let me read that to us. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Now notice it says he brought an offering. It didn't say he brought the first offering or first fruits. It was an offering. He brought the offering in the process of time from the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel's offering, but he did not respect Cain's offering. Why? There it is. Abel was a rancher, and he had livestock, and he brought the firstborn of the livestock and gave that to the Lord. Cain was a farmer, and he did not give the first fruits. He gave it over a period of time, whenever he wanted to, however he wanted to, and God did not accept his offering. God is first, whether we put him there or not. He doesn't have the ability to be second. He is the Almighty God. He can't choose to say, well, today I'm going to be second. He is always first. Now now think about this for a second. There's some things that God can't do. say, well, God can do anything he wants to do. There's nothing that God can't do. God can't change. If God could change, that would mean that he could get better. And he can't get better because he's already the best. God can't change. He is the best. He knows everything all the time. He is the one true God. One thing that maybe hasn't crossed our brain. God doesn't think the way you and I think. The Bible talks about the thoughts of God. But, but let me explain. You and I think... So we can figure things out. You know that God never thinks to figure things out. There's nothing that occurs to God. God never goes, you know what? I haven't thought about that. God says in his word, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. God doesn't think the way we think. He doesn't think to figure things out. He is number one. He is the great God. He can't choose to say, well, today I'm just going to try to be surprised and not have any idea of anything. He is almighty God. So the very nature of God demands that we give him the first. God can't accept when we give him second and third and fourth and tenth and twelfth and last because it's against who he is. He is the one who is first. He's the one who gave us his best, and he demands that from us as well. So please understand me that we can give to God at any time. But if we don't give God first, we are not following the principle that is all throughout Scripture. It's more than just tithe. It's firstborn and first fruits. We're going to look over the next couple of weeks at what it means to give God the first of my energy, the first of my time, the first of my abilities, the first of my resources, the first of my hopes and dreams. What does it look like if he is first and then how it affects everything else that comes after it? Third, finally this morning, 
This scripture talks a lot about the tithe. Teaches us about the tithe must be first. Leviticus 27.30 says this. All the tithe of the land, whether it is the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. It's set apart for the Lord. And when we understand firstborn and firstfruits, it's first... Because he uses the exact same language that he does in firstborn and firstfruits. He says, it belongs to me. Now here's something that really bugs me that sometimes people say. They say, well, well, pastor, that's under the law. And I'm under grace. That's an old covenant thing. And I'm a new covenant Christian. Well, there's a couple things that, that bother me with that. First of all, tithing was way before the law. We see that Abraham tithed nearly 500 years before the law. Jacob tithed nearly 400 years before the law. They gave a tithe. But if you go all the way back and take this principle back to Cain and Abel, you can begin to see that God was demanding the first even then. If you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, you see that God said you can eat from all of these trees except this one. You should not eat from. This is mine. What is God doing? He's showing the principle again of what it means to be a steward, understanding that everything we have is not ours. There's things that are God's that he entrusts to us, and it's woven all throughout the Bible. Now, not only is it here in the Old Testament, Jesus himself talked about tithing. In Matthew 23, verse 23, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and to the people listening, and he tells us that we ought to tithe. Here's what he said to them. He said, you Pharisees, you hypocrites, you tithe of all these little spices, mint and dill and so on, but you neglect the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. But then Jesus makes this statement. Listen to this. Jesus says, this you ought to do. What is it that they were doing? They were tithing. He says, this you ought to do, but not neglect the other. They were tithing and so excited about their tithing, but they neglected justice and mercy and faith. And Jesus didn't say, forget tithing, just have mercy and justice and faith. He says, this you ought to do, but don't neglect the other. Now, friend, that's enough for me. If my Savior said, I ought to do it, that's all I need to hear. If Jesus said, I ought to tithe, then that's all I need to see. But what's amazing is we often will find ourselves or our culture or our society saying, well, that's, that's under the law and that's bad. That's just amazing to me. There's a lot of things that are under the law. And, and are they bad now? If it was good under the law, is it now bad under the law we found honor your mother and father should we now as as new covenant christians no longer uphold this jesus came to fulfill the law not to abolish the law there's some things in in the old covenant that were bad are they now good the 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 old law says you shall not murder well i i'm a new covenant christian and and when there's traffic on the freeway and you cut me off well (laughs) i just may murder no this is crazy this, this is bad. It's not good. And, and God calls us to this standard he has given all throughout Scripture that he is first. So the tithe needs to be first. So let's look at an example together this morning. If you made $1,000, if that was your income, and you had 10 $100 bills, how much would be a tithe? 
100. And I know it's math. I know it's cold out. We can do this. It's 100. You have 10 $100 bills, and, and one $100 bill, one-tenth would be a tithe. Are we in agreement on that? Well, which of those 10 bills is God's? The first. How do you know which one of those is the first? I'll tell you how you know. It's the first bill that leaves your hand. It's the first that you spend. It's the first you invest in. What you give to first determines what is most important in your life. In other words, don't go home and say, let me pay the mortgage. Let me pay the car payment. Let me pay for the groceries. Oh, God, I don't have enough left over for you. Or even if you say, God, uh, you know what, I paid the mortgage, I paid the groceries, and, and I have 10% left over, this is for you. That's not what the Bible talks about in tithing. It's not just about a percentage or amount, it's about the priority. It's, God, I give you first. Well, that's good truth, I don't care if we like it or not, that's good, we need to hear it. God says, I am the great I am. I have given you my best before you came to me, and I'm calling you to be a people like me, and you need to get this principle in your life. When you put me first, when you give first to me in your time, in your talent, in your treasure, you will see everything else change around you. So if I tithe, God gives me more money. That is not what God is saying. If I tithe, I never ever have problems in my life. That is not what God's saying. What God is saying is, if you don't give to God what is His, the rest will not be blessed. It's not about getting out of tribulation. It's about getting in on God who wants to walk with you through whatever trials come in your life. Here's what Exodus says. When you give the first one to God, the rest are blessed. So listen carefully. If if we first... Make a priority to the mortgage company. Now I guess you better expect that that company is going to bless your life. They don't have the power to bless your life. If you give first to the electric company, don't expect them to bless your life. If you give first of everything you are and everything you have to God, He wants to bless everything else in your life. Wouldn't you rather live on a hundred, wouldn't you rather live on 90% of your income that God is blessing than A hundred percent that God cannot bless. So if I give, I am blessed. If if I choose to withhold, the scripture says I begin to lose everything that I think I had. It's not that complicated. It's not that hard. Here's what I want to leave you with a challenge this morning. I want to challenge you to look at giving God first fruits, firstborn, a tithe. And we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks, we'll talk about our time and, and our abilities and our talent and maybe even some more on, on our resources. But I challenge you to tithe for a year and just see what happens with the rest in your life. Because this is the only place in Scripture where it calls us to test God. Just test and see if you can outgive me. Just test and see if you can put me too far first. Could you get me too far of a priority? God says it's not possible. The more you put me first, the more I'll bring blessing and order into your life. Now God never uses the word give when he talks about tithe or first fruits or firstborn. Notice he says bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Because we're bringing what is his. Now notice it's bringing the whole tithe into the storehouse. It's not bringing the tithe into the the 
university or to the Christian school or, or to the TV evangelist or to the, the favorite mission work somewhere else. It's the local body of Christ where you attend. Uh, if you're here today and on a snowy day, we may not have very many visitors. I want you to hear me say, give where you're fed, where your church home is. God is calling you to bring into the storehouse a tithe, his tithe that he has. Who is first in your life? I've I've wrestled with this last part um, a lot of hours. I asked God to uh, let me skip it. And I'd rather be obedient than be comfortable. But uh, if... If I'm a little awkward right now, just know I'm pretty uncomfortable, but I want to be obedient. I want to share with you a little bit of your pastor's heart of what God says, Brady, I want first from you. And before I share that, as I wrestled with God, and and to be honest, uh, it wasn't spiritual. I argued with God. He took me to Matthew 6. And maybe more for my sake than your sake, let me remind us of what Jesus teaches in Matthew 6. He's talking about people who give and who pray and who fast. And he says, don't give like the hypocrites who, who want everybody to see what they're giving. Don't let your right hand or left hand know what your right hand is doing and give in secret. And then he talks about prayer. He says, don't go out on the street corners and, and pray like the hypocrites for everybody to hear how good of a prayer they are and how it rhymes and how amazing of speech they have. He says, pray in secret to the Lord. And then he says, don't fast like the hypocrites that, that disfigure their faces and that mope around and they're somber all the time because that will be their full reward. They just want people to notice them. And as I wrestled with what the Lord was telling me to share with you today, I felt God brought me back to this passage. He said, Brady, I'm not teaching my people to never pray in public. You pray at your meal. Are you breaking this verse? No. God is not calling us when we see somebody in need and there's someone else around. Well, I, I I can't give any resources to you, Chris, because someone else is watching. No. It's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying it's about your motive. It's about your intention. It's about your heart. If your motive in praying is to get others to notice you, then you might as well just speak to the wall. If your motive and intention in giving is to get others to give you credit, to get your name put on the plaque, you might as well just keep your money. There's no help in that. If your motive in fasting is to get attention, then you you might as well just not even do that. But I believe God calls us to pray and to give and to fast in the context of a community to have support with one another i say all that to say the last month the lord has been putting his finger on my heart and my family's heart and as we look at this first i share this with you for two reasons i want you to pray for me and i want you to i want you to allow me to pray for you I am on the fifth day of a 40-day fast that God has called me to for three purposes. One, to hear him clearly what he has for me. To hear him clearly on what he has for my family. 
and to hear clearly of what God has for Grace Point. And I feel the Lord wanted me to share this with you today so I can be praying for you and ask you to be praying for me. God has called me to a a 40-day water fast. He doesn't call everybody to that. This is not about that. I don't want you to give any attention to me because fasting is not about suffering for God. Fasting is not about uh, earning some kind of position to have your prayers heard by God. That is hogwash. Fasting is saying, God, would you tenderize my heart so I can be humbled to hear you better? Could you get the earwax out of my spiritual life so I can hear you clearer and see you clearer? As we close this morning, I would love to have the privilege of the remainder of these 40 days to be praying for you specifically. And if there's a way that I could be lifting you or your family up, there's some white cards up here to the front. And if you would just write your first and last name and how I could be praying for you, I would love to be partnering in prayer with you. But this is not about my prayers. I'm asking of you that you would pray that God would give me clarity on what he has for Brady, what he has for my family, and what he has for the life of Grace Point. And I want to challenge all of us over the next number of weeks to say, God, how are you calling me to put you first? What I put first impacts the rest. Father, I pray that you would take these massive words and You would weave them into something that would be beneficial for your kids here today. Father, I pray that anything that I've shared that is not of you, that you'll strip it away and cause it to just fall from memory. But Lord, we are hungry for more of you. We are desperate for more of you. We want to hear from you more than anything else. And so God, we ask, would you tenderize our hearts? At the first of this year in 2014, I pray that you will encourage my brother and sister that this is a risk that they can take with confidence, that they can't outgive to you their time, their talent, their treasure. And God, I pray that you will impress on us individually, not pressure from anyone else, what it is you're calling us to put first in our life that would honor you. Thank you, Father, for your blessing of what we give you first. It's in your son's precious name we pray. Amen and amen. May God bless you. Remember, as if you need a reminder, if you come tonight, you'll be by yourself. Uh, I encourage you to take the time that maybe you didn't think you're going to have today and invest it and give it to God. Allow him to minister to your heart. So many times we say, I don't know if I have time to read the Word or have time to pray. You all have snow time. Today and tomorrow, saturate yourself with His presence. May God bless you. You're dismissed.